Welcome to the Remnant Christian Center's podcast. We hope you are encouraged by this message. So today happens to land the fourth church that we've been going to. And just a quick review before we read this. Every church, every message that Jesus gave to the Revelation Church was not only for that particular region, but the principles are for the spiritual conditions that are currently going in the church today. Do you realize that? Because if we only say for that church, then we can never quote Ephesians because Ephesians was written to the, the, book of, the city of Ephesus then we can never quote the book of Philippians. Forget about Revelations. If we only say, well, that was just for that church, then we can't quote, my God shall supply all my needs according to his riches and glory. Why? Because that was for the Philippians. Get rid of that mindset. It was for the churches of Revelation, but it was for the church at large. That being said, I'm going to break down the very controversial and sometimes misunderstood uh, Jezebel or spirit of Jezebel because everyone's calling everyone Jezebel nowadays and sometimes that's not true all right so I want you to get your ears open today for a um, a sobering message from the Lord all right and I hope you still love me because I'm not attacking you I'm just re- I'm just preaching the gospel based on the context of Jesus Saying this, do you know, as a matter of fact, the Bible says in Revelation, blessed are those who teach this, this, this particular one, this particular phrase. So are you ready? Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, speak to us. Especially of, you constantly said in these churches, he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. Not to the world, to the church. We are your church. So today, as we read about the fourth message to the church, Help us to grasp the fear of the Lord and help us to know that you are not mad at us, but you are warning the church not to go this route because, Lord, I thank you that you're going to bear fruit of righteousness in all of us. Let it come and let it fall on good ground. Use my words, not with persuasive language, but in the demonstration of your spirit and power in Jesus' name. Amen. I want you to turn to Revelations chapter 2. We're going to read verse 18 through 29 in the ESV, and then I'm going to backtrack and then break everything down expository style. Right? Some of you guys like expository preaching, so I'm going to be doing that and have a little edge of the prophetic for the now. Okay? Um, so with that said, a lot of the principles that uh, this church of Thyatira uh, you're about to hear, uh, if you remember two weeks ago, the church of Pergamum, it actually has a lot of similarities. But this is the church that had the longest correction. So remember, when the Bible says to the angel of the Lord, just so before I read, that means messenger in the Greek, which means it was a human messenger that God, Jesus himself, told John to give these letters to the churches. It's as equivalent is as if the Lord sends a, 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 one of the apostles or a prophet and sends me a letter, the, the leader, the messenger, or the overseer of Remnant Christian Center, and Jesus said, tell this to Remnant Christian Center. So with that said, this is the letter to the church of Thyatira. I want you to read it with open ears, and please allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you. Can I hear an Amen. Revelations 2, verse 18 through 29 in the ESV. And to the angel, the messenger of the church, the overseer, the apostolic leader in Thyatira, right. Listen closely, guys. The words of the Son of God, who has eyes like a flame of fire, and whose feet are like burnished bronze or fine brass. There's another translation. I know your works. Now listen to this closely. Your love, faith, your service, and patient endurance that you, that, and that your latter works exceed the first. Now, if you just stop right there, that's a really good church to go to. If you just stop right there, Jesus gave uh, more conf- uh, affirmations in this church than some of the previous churches. He gave them five. He said, I know your love, your faith, your faith is strong, uh, uh, your service to people is great. You have a lot of great outreaches, a lot of great things happening in your church. You have connect groups. I'm paraphrasing. You have a lot of these things. You have a great worship team. You have an outreach coming up. Man, that's good. And then you're, you're, you're patient. You're patient. But this is what, the, what trips me out. He actually says, and your latter works you see the first. In other words, what I'm about to tell you right now, church, and the warning and the correction, 
before I tell you that, all this I see that you're doing now, actually, you're exceeding your work now more than when you first started. You're doing a good job. If you stop right there, that's a great church to go to. But I have these things against you. Listen to me carefully. That you tolerate. Everybody say tolerate. tolerate. That woman Jezebel who calls herself a prophetess and is teaching and seducing my servants. This is Jesus speaking with zeal to practice sexual immorality. Now, remember, he's not talking to the world. He's saying you, the, your, your church is tolerating this woman who calls herself a prophetess. So you realize right there that it wasn't Jesus that called her a prophetess. She named herself a prophetess. I could preach on that for an hour. There's a lot of Facebook prophets, and, 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 and they think they're prophets. Anyways, I'm not going to even go there. Who calls herself a prophetess and is teaching, not only just teaching, and seducing. She's doing both. My service to practice sexual immorality and to eat food sacrificed to idols. By the way, this is New Testament. This is after Jesus resurrected. I gave her time to repent. Look at the goodness of God even in that. But she refuses. Notice that it didn't say refused. She refuses continually refuses to repent of her sexual immorality. Oh, boy, I'm going to go off on. Behold, Jesus says, I will throw. This is hard, Lord. I'm just going to read it. I will throw her onto a sickbed. And those who commit adultery with her, I will, Jesus, I will throw into great tribulation or affliction, another translation says, unless they repent of her works. And I will strike her children dead. And all the churches will know. Notice what he says here. He didn't say all the world will know. All the churches will know because of this. And I, listen, that I am he who searches the mind and heart. And I will give to each of you according to your works. But to the rest of you in the community of First Thyatira Bible Chapel who do not Hold this teaching. In other words, the rest of you who do not hold this teaching of the doctrine of Jezebel, who have not learned what some call the deep things of Satan, to you, I say, I do not lay on you another burden. Now listen to this. This is the longest letter of all the churches that he gives. Look at what he says next at the end. Hold fast, church, what you have until I come. The one who overcomes or conquers and who keeps my word until the end. To him I will give authority over the nations, and he will rule them with, an iron, with a rod of iron. As when earthen pots are broken in pieces, even as I myself have received authority from the Father, I will also give that person who overcomes. Overcomes what? Overcomes the seduction of Jezebel and the spirit of Jezebel. Okay? Overcomes that. The church that overcomes that. I will give him the morning star. Hmm. He who has an ear to hear. Let him hear what the Spirit says to the church. And Remnant Christian Center said, okay. So here you saw this whole thing. Now we're going to backtrack. But I want to give you some information, all right? I know there's a lot of people here that study the book of Revelation. And so I'm grateful for you. I just want to just release this because uh, I think this is a, I don't want to say a sad, sad statement, but I'm 51 years old. And in all my years of pastoring, I've never did an expository teaching in all my life. On the, on the book of Revelation, especially the, the churches of, of Revelation, but I feel it's time because it speaks of the spiritual condition in the church in 2024. Now, what was Thyatira? Give me give you a backdrop. Thyatira was a, a city. Now, don't put that yet. Don't put that yet until I tell you. Don't put that yet because I'm, I'm giving you a background. Thyatira was a place that was like um, uh, 30 miles in Turkey. So it was about the, 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 the Turkey area, what we call Turkey right now, okay? And it was a, known as a wealthy city. Why? Because there was a lot of trade there, okay? There was a lot of um, a commerce. There was a lot of unions. So, the, you know, Americans call it the labor unions, right? Uh, there was a lot of guilds, trade guilds. I don't know if you guys know what that means. But to break it down for you, it's more of there, were, there was unions of people that had common interests, okay, with each other. And they had to be a part of this union so that they could get some money. So they would sell things there. They would, in that region of Thyatira, they would sell things. But the only problem was that I'm, I'm first talking about the culture before I talk about the church. You know why? Because whether you know it or not, a lot of the culture of society and the city and the region where you live in has tried to permeate in the church. 
And so you have to talk about the surrounding culture of America, of America, and how that is affecting, bombarding you. That in other countries, you don't have the access to the illicitness that America has. So we're fighting against the culture, not just also demonic power. So in this culture, back then, in order for the church, the new converts, because remember, they were just barely saved. And they, they still were worldly, and some of them had a law mentality. And so now Jesus comes, gets on the cross, he resurrects. But in order to be a part of these labor unions, you had to go to these uh, feasts. And these feasts were laced with idolatry and sexual immorality. And so if, if you wanted to be a part of the business crowd and listen and keep your money, you would have to, as a newborn Christian, go to these feasts and worship idols. You would have to be forced to compromise, right? Now, you would either, you would either be forced to compromise and go to a feast that they had these wild sexual immorality in those feasts. That doesn't, that doesn't sound any different to what's happening in, right, uh, in church or in, in society today. Hey, you know, a worldly person, I'm not going to say the name, but you all know, worldly, famous worldly rapper... Is, is known back in the days to just throw all these parties and everyone knows what happens in those parties. And all of a sudden there's big, big, big bishops and Christians in those parties. Not going to say the name, but, but what are we doing? Because people don't want to stand up for righteousness if it's going to affect their pocketbook. As long as big superstars or big culture keep feeding money into your church, you're never going to stand for righteousness because you're just going to blend in. And here's the thing. So that's what's happening in those days. In those days, hey, God, God loves me. They had a choice. Either go to these feasts that they had these wild drunkenness and sexual immorality as a Christian and God would understand or stand up for righteousness and risk losing their job and put on the blacklist, that is a person, that's a Christian, that's a Christian, that's a Christian, that's a Christian. We're going to persecute them. We're going to take all their money. Can I pause and say where are the Christians that stand up for righteousness even if they lose their job? Even if they lose their job. This side is saying more amens. Where are the believers that would say, I, God, yes, God, I'm in this job, and, my, and the Lord really provides for me, but there is too much immorality being forced on me, and I either have to say something, or if you don't, you may be agreeing with that. I'm going to break down the word tolerate, because I've said it a couple times, but today I'm going to give you the Greek of the word tolerate. Because remember, he said, you tolerate Jezebel. You allow things to happen. You may not be doing it on yourself. There's a lot in your community that are doing it. But you, leadership, you're tolerating. You know what's going on, and you're not saying anything about it. <laughs> Jesus. <sighs> so it's interesting because the name Thyatira is a, almost a self-fulfilling prophecy of what was happening in the region. You know what the, the Greek word, Chris is going to like this. The Greek word for Thyatira means the odor of affliction. Odor of affliction. It was a stench of affliction in that region, in that city, that permeated into the church culture. Now, I'm not saying that just because you have affliction, because uh, uh, we've had afflictions, that we're doing something wrong. But the name Thyatira was almost a self-fulfilling prophecy of the condition of their heart spiritually and naturally, because of, watch this, their refusal to keep one another accountable. I'm preaching now. You have a right to keep one another accountable and measure them to the, to the word of God. One of the most misquoted things in the church today is God doesn't judge. I'm not going to judge because God don't judge me. No, that judgment means fault-finding judgment. That means if I judge you because I don't like your personality and then I'm going to spread rumors about you, that's what Jesus says, do not judge. But we have a right as brothers and sisters to judge one another and hold them accountable to the word of God. That is not judging. It is saying, brother, I'm telling you right now, what you're doing is not right. Well, let me alone. Come on. God understands. No, I may lose my friendship with you, but you need to stop going to that girl's house and having sex when you don't have marriage in you, when you don't have a marriage covenant. 
that's part of community holding each other accountable, not tolerating it. If you're friends with somebody and you're more afraid to lose their friendship than to stand up to the word of God, when they're in your circle, are you ready for this bomb? You are tolerating what they're doing. Notice what I said. I'm not saying you have to go to everybody. I'm saying if the, the inner circle that you have, if you know that they're purposely having compromise and you don't say anything, you're tolerating it. How many parents are in this house? Raise your hand. If you see glory to God, if you see your children doing something that is wrong, and what, what's the main thing that you do? Do you just say, I don't want to lose my buddiness with that person. Some of the problem with the parents today is they're two buddies, buddy-buddy with their, with their kids. I'm just going off script right now. This is not even, Lord, help me now. They're too buddy-buddy with their kids, and that's great. But when it comes time to correction, they're so buddy-buddy with their kids that their kids are like, ah, come on, Mom. Come on, Dad. No, no, no. No, no, no. You could be a friend, but you need to be a father. You need to be a mother. You need to, watch this, correct them when they're doing something wrong. Or else they'll be born, they'll be grown up like spoiled brats. Mom and Dad allowed me to do anything. You know what allowed means? Tolerate. In the Greek, allow means tolerate. That means if you don't correct your wild, rebunctious son or daughter, when you have the authority to, in love, you are setting the culture of tolerance in your family. Help me preach, Lord. Come on now. Mm. So before I get into the deep things, Jesus then helps the church and says, listen, I'm about to tell you something that's going to really sting you. But before I tell you, you already know because we read it. Before I tell you what's, what I'm really after in your church because I love you. Listen, if God didn't love the Thyatiran church, he wouldn't say the strong warning. You guys as parents, if you see your kid cross the street, you won't just be like, he'll figure it out. You have a two-year-old baby walking the street, and there's a car coming, and you don't say nothing like, oh, he's going to cry if I stop. And then he'll go, no, you're going you're to be like, stop. What are you doing? That's what Jesus is saying. Hey, I want to I warn you. But before he warns them, he gives them the strength of his, he gives himself three titles. I mean, on hardly any of the church, he gives himself three titles to say, listen, I want to tell you my majesty and power, not only to bring you the fear of the Lord, but to tell you that you can overcome this culture, this toxic culture of the church because of who I am. Well, he starts off saying, behold, says the son of God. He starts off saying, listen, he gives himself three titles. <laughs> it's almost like I come to you and say, Remnant Christian Center, I am the lead pastor, the apostolic figure, and the chosen one. You're going to be like, that's a prideful man. No, Jesus wasn't doing that because he was prideful. He was trying to tell them, if you know who my majesty really is, it will give you power to overcome this sexual immorality that I'm about to address. Behold, says the Son of God. In other words, I am the Son of God. Know this. I'm about to tell you. I'm not just a little, little leader. I'm the Son of God telling you this. Number two, it is the one who has eyes like fire is about to tell you this. What is the eyes of fire? It means that he's omniscient, not only omnipotent. Omnipotent means he's all-powerful. Omniscient means he's all-knowing. That means he's everywhere. He sees everything. He sees everything. Everything. And the fire is symbolic of the purification process when he does see that. And sometimes the purification process will take a process of pruning and hurting to purify you. He says, the son of God, I'm the son of God. I have the eyes like the flame of fire, fire, tira, church. And also I have the feet like, like fine brass. This is the one who's talking to you. <laughs> He's like, the, before I tell you, the, the fine brass is symbolic of a person, of a warrior dressing for battle, making war against someone. It was not a soft picture. It was a picture of a war or judgment. All right? So he says, this is, this, this is me who's talking to you so you can overcome what I'm trying to tell you. Don't you dare believe that you cannot overcome your strongest addictions. You have the Son of God, the eyes like the fame of fire. You got the, the man with the feet of brass in by his spirit living inside of you. So he's saying that to release the fear of the Lord. Hear me now because I know this is not a, a message that is, is, is easy to preach. But I wanted you to hear me by the words of the Lord. 
Then he says this. I'm going to, before, you know, I love leadership. I love Jesus' leadership because he gives, before he gives us a big pow pow, <laughs> he finds something truthful to encourage us. There's a lot of, we can learn from lead, Jesus' leadership. A lot of us, all we do is correct, but we need to find something good in people, in our kids, so that they realize you're not out to attack them. He goes, I'm the son of God. I fire my eyes. I'm going to tell you this. By the way, I see your works. You love really good, church. You serve really good. You have a lot of outreaches. You have a lot of things planned. I see that. And you're patient. You're very patient. You're very patient with foolishness, <laughs> with people. Maybe too patient. Now watch this. And, and by the way, uh, when you started a couple years ago, you're actually growing. Your works are even stronger. Now, now watch. So he says all that to encourage him. But th this is where I want to get to. You would think that this is a good place to be, but it was not a good place to be. Let me tell you, let me break it down. The church of Thyatira was not a good church to attend because of its toxic culture. Don't ever get fooled by the lights or the crowds. Just because there's big crowds doesn't mean there's a holy culture in that crowd. Give me some time to... to mm. Well, that water's good. Okay. Just because you're growing, sorry, just because you're increasing in numbers doesn't mean you're growing. I said this before. I'll say it again. There's a difference between growing and swelling, right? We could grow in the Lord and still have empty chairs, or we could swell and, and allow, because we allow everything to happen and anything to happen in our culture, and it increases all the people, but yet a big church or a big outreach church does not mean that the culture is safe. Mm. That doesn't mean that big churches are not safe. I'm just saying that, you, that, that Jesus is saying, I see your works, but, everybody say but. Now, here's where we're going to dive in today, and I want you to hear this by the fear of the Lord, and please don't elbow somebody, apply it to you to see if this is happening to you, all right? Can I hear an amen? amen. Then he says all that. He says, okay, church, zoom in. This is the issue that I have with the church. Boy, this, this God, this, this, this right here, a message from Jesus himself to a church community. He said, you tolerate, everybody say tolerate, this woman Jezebel who calls herself a prophetess to teach and seduce my servants to commit sexual immorality. Okay, Lord, I'm just going to say, this is hard to say. Sometimes there's more sexual immorality in the church that's hidden than those are in the world. In the world, they're very open about it, and sometimes they're even sorry about it. Sometimes they don't care, of course, because they don't have the Holy Spirit. But the problem with the church, since we're the church... There's a lot of secret things that happen, and in secret, the, some of the most grievous sins that happen in secret are not lying, are not just gossip, are sexual immorality. What is the word tolerate in the Greek? I want you to put it up. Look at this. Look at what the word tolerate means. Now, here's where we're going to get deep, okay? You're going to get something today. Tolerate in the Greek. This is the Greek lexicon of the word tolerate. When Jesus said, you tolerate. Listen to this. This is straight from the definition. It is the word aphiomai. My wife gets upset with me because I always press the Greek pronunciation so I can pronounce it right. She's like, that's so loud. Like in the middle of my study. G3922. Aphiomai. And I keep hearing it. And I keep pressing it. Aphiomai. Aphiomai. What, is, what, does, what does tolerate mean in the Greek, right? To give in, to let it be. That's what it means. Let it be. Just let it be. Sexual immorality in the church. Come on. You're just being religious. Let it be. To disregard, to permit. Permit. Don't ever think that toleration doesn't mean permission. I'm going to say that loud. When you tolerate something that's wrong, you're giving permission for something that's wrong. To allow, and not, watch this, not to hinder someone. In other words, you know what? I, I don't want to come across hard. We're going to lose people if we say that to them. Let it be. Don't hinder them. Listen, it's not, it's not affecting leadership. It's just affecting the church. Do you realize if it's affecting the church, is a growing cancer? Okay, take that slide off so the online people can see. 
What I'm trying to say is when Jesus says you tolerate that woman by allowing to continue to seduce and teaching that sexual immorality outside of the marriage covenant was okay. Watch this. All in the name of the newfound grace. I had a couple slip-ups. Jesus understands. Watch this. This is the misconception. We're engaged, but we're gonna, the Lord told us we're going to get married. Okay, yes, the Lord told you to get married. But just because the Lord told you to get married does not give you the license to have sexual immorality until you have get married. But the deception is this newfound grace that they just had that they were all uh, uh, um, uh, under the law. And all of a sudden, they this grace, this amazing grace of forgiveness. And they don't have to draw, drag a bull or a goat to the sacrifice. They can ask for forgiveness right now. And the 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 the... The misleading doctrine was that there was okay, that, sorry, sexual immorality was happening and leadership was not saying anything about it, nor the community. You've been in churches where the choir director is having uh, an affair with somebody else. Or, or the lead pastor is having a secret uh, adulterous affair with some other person. Let me tell you something. The Lord sees all. Everything that's done in darkness shall be revealed in the light. And I'm saying that for everyone here and for everything, good and bad. If there's not repentance, the Lord in his love will expose things in you so that you, your soul could be saved. Now, let's get deep. There's Jezebel. Let's talk about Jezebel now. We're going to talk about what Jezebel is, what Jezebel is not. In the charismatic world, we throw Jezebel spirit for everything. I'm going to say what Jezebel really is. There's two Jezebels, okay? Now, don't put that slide up yet until I tell you. There's two Jezebels in the, in, that's mentioned in the Bible. <laughs> By the way, don't ever, don't ever name your daughter Jezebel. <laughs> the Jewish people knew. I'm getting ahead of myself. The Jewish people knew the stories, okay? They were Jews. They read the Torah. They, they knew all that. They may have not all been, been walking with God. But even the worldly Jews, they knew the stories. They knew the story of Jezebel. Why would someone in their right mind, a Jewish person, name their daughter Jezebel? I'm going somewhere with that. I'm going. Th- if your name is Jezebel out there, there's, you know, the blood. You know, there's no, no. Anyways. I'm sorry. I just can't picture, I can't picture Jezebel Sita. Come over here, Jezebel Sita. Que linda Jezebel Sita. No! <laughs> Call her Susie or something. All right. All right. Anyways, go back. The Old Testament Jezebel. Old Testament Jezebel was married to King Ahab, a very passive leader who did more damage than all the kings of Israel. The Bible says it. He did so gross that he allowed Jezebel, Old Testament, to dictate false gods, false worship to Baal entirely for the children of Israel, for all the people of Israel. And watch this. Are you ready for this? And Ahab, the reason why he was wicked, because he was king and had the authority to stop her and did not because he was afraid of her. Her husband, was the king of Israel, tolerated his wife introducing and forcing worship of Baal to all of Israel and caused all of Israel to sin in idolatry. Why? Because he did nothing about it. And, and she operated, Old Testament Jezebel, this is where we get the, the, the spirit of Jezebel, operated in divination. What not, but not an, a woman with a broomstick with a cauldron. And a, and a hat on. That's not what we're talking about. How she operated in divination is through fear and manipulation tactics and control. Why do I say that? Because the prophet I, uh, uh, Elijah just finished calling down fire a day ago. I'm, I'm talking about. I'm talking about. Hey, get everybody over here. Well, the God who answers by fire is a real God. Okay, and He's the only one. He chopped up the bull himself. He chopped it up. He put it on there. Okay, and he goes. You guys first. The prophets of Baal go first. So the prophets of Baal. Okay, Baal. Baal come fire no fire and, and he get fire fire and then all of a sudden this, they started cutting themselves to try to get Baal's attention the dead god wasn't even alive oh Baal please answer with fire dripping down and I love Elijah he was a gangster because Elijah was like hey hey, hey 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 speak louder he's probably in the in the restroom that's what he says read it he's probably relieving himself that's what it says he's probably sleeping speak louder he's mocking them this is the bold I'm, I'm giving you a, a a taste of why I know that Jezebel operated in a demonic way. 
Because there's no way in the natural that someone like that, that he said, okay, put water. Do it three times. By the way, that's a revelation. It was 12 and 12 tribes, all that stuff. Listen, water three times. Lord, I ask, and it wasn't a long prayer, that you will let people know that you are the true God. By answer by fire. The Bible says immediately. Fire came down from heaven, lit up the altar and the water and the trenches there. And the Bible says that the zeal of the Lord came on Elijah. And everyone says, oh my God, now we believe. Of course you believe now because fire just came down from heaven. All of the rebellious backsliders that were worshiping Baal, they said, we believe now. Watch this. Elijah said in the zeal of the Lord, get all those false prophets and kill them. The Old Testament was brutal. Kill them because we don't want the seed of the enemy in our camp. That's a, whole, that's a whole principle there. Some of us have seeds of the enemy in our house, and we're allowing it. He wanted nothing. So do you think that man that just caught fire down from heaven is going to be scared of one woman in the natural? No. It had to be demonic. Because the very next day, Jezebel, before we talk about the New Testament Jezebel, Old Testament Jezebel sent a messenger and said, hey, tell Elijah that just like those false, these prophets of Baal that he killed, by this time tomorrow he'll be dead. You would think, you would think that Elijah goes, Lord, let, down, let fire come down on her right now. He got scared. He got scared. And the Bible says he went 40 days in the opposite direction. And God is so merciful that while he's backsliding in another direction, God sends an angel to give him food to keep going in the opposite direction. And then he heard a still small voice after all the clutter, the fire, the earthquake. God said, Elijah, what are you doing here? You know, God is saying that to the church right now. What are you doing in this place? Why, how have you drifted so far? You know what happened? That when Jezebel spoke, it had to be laced with demonic intimidation. Or else that prophet who just killed called on fire and had 40 false prophets executed, would have confronted her. But no. So the Old Testament Jezebel, right, killed, killed the prophets of God, the prophets of God, and was after the main prophet of God. The New Testament Jezebel, which I'm going to do now, the New Testament Jezebel was a woman that called herself a prophetess. And many historians and theologians believe that that's not the name that her parents gave her. Because that's, she was taking on a persona of the Old Testament, Old Testament Jezebel. See, we, we call the, the Jezebel in the, in, the, in the Revelation like a spirit. Like, oh, Jesus was just talking like a, like a figure. No, no, no. There was a real, and I, I'm going to prove it to you in just a moment. Because the New Testament Jezebel, as the Old Testament Jezebel killed the prophets, the New Testament spirit of Jezebel seeks to kill the prophetic spirit in you to quench the voice of God of conviction in you. The voice of God of conviction is quenched by the spirit of Jezebel, that prophetic spirit, to try to stop you from hearing that what we are doing is dangerous and it's okay. Am I getting somewhere with this? So the New Testament Jezebel, listen to this, acted like the Old Testament Jezebel, especially in the area of sexual immorality, teaching believers that because of the newfound grace, that sexual immorality and fornication outside the covenant, marriage, was now okay. Now, do you, are you getting anything here? Now, look at what the screen says about the old, because there's two. The Hebrew word for Jezebel and the Greek word for the New Testament Jezebel are very similar. Like, they're off by one word, but they mean slightly different things. The Old Testament Jezebel, look at what the screen says. It's the Hebrew word, Isabel. With an E. Isabel. All right? Now look at what the Old Testament Jezebel means. Her name. Baal exalts. That's, that, that, that's as equivalent if your name equals Jesus is Lord. Her very name was the nature of idolatry. Baal exalts. Baal is husband. And I put parentheses mine because that's her name. So she was going as far as saying, this false God is my husband. I am, so, I am so intertwined with this false God. He, this God, this false God is my husband. This is the one, this is the, the Jezebel that is introducing this to the people of Israel. Unchaste, lacking in sexual purity. Unchaste means there's no restraint. 
That's, I, I'm not, I, didn't, I didn't just make that up. That's the Hebrew definition of the name Jezebel. Baal exalts, Baal is his husband, unchaste. In other words, no restriction. Do what you want, baby. We're under grace. God will forgive me tomorrow. Let me get my groove on today. I'll ask for forgiveness later. But when we ask for forgiveness later, even though God will forgive us, we don't realize that we open door to demonic powers in our life. Give God, give the enemy permission to do stuff in our mind. And now it's in our home. And now it's in our house. Now it's in your mind. Now you can't shake that thing off. Always remember, a thought that goes unchecked will produce into an action that goes unchecked. Every sin that we do starts in the thought process. That's why the Bible says we must cast down every imagination, every thought that exalts itself against the knowledge of Christ, pulling down strongholds. What you're doing is pulling down strongholds. Strongholds means a fortress. That's what it means. Strongholds is a fortress that you built. Watch this. It's a fortress. So let's, let's say these are all bushes, and each one pops up every time I, I, I allow something to happen. I'm building a fortress. Watch this. So watch this. Now imagine bushes. You can't see me. And, the, and let's say I'm the enemy. Now the enemy is hiding and, and having his way behind the fortress. In other words, you can't see him. You can't see re the reason why you're acting the way you're acting because you've built all these thoughts unchecked. When you pull down strongholds, what you're doing is exposing the devil. And he's going. Now you deal with it because you pulled down strongholds that was hiding him. That's good preaching right there. I'm just telling you. Why do I say this? Oh, God, help me, Lord. Help me with this. That is the New Testament Jezebel. The New Testament Jezebel is a pro I'm going to actually read this. I'm going to read this, okay? Put up the New, the New Testament Jezebel up there so, they, so I can see. This is the New Testament Jezebel. I just told you the Old Testament. New Testament Jezebel, this is straight from the Greek lexicon, okay? This is how I know that it was not just a spirit. It was an actual woman that portrayed herself as this prophetess when she was not a prophetess. Okay? Hear me? You follow isn't that going in the church today, Ron? Self-titled self bishops, self-titled prophets, self-titled, uh, you know, evangelists, and they have no covering. They have no accountability. Is Isabel with an A. This is the difference. Now, in the Greek, it does mention the Old Testament Jezebel in this. But it also says this. The symbolic name. This is the Greek. It actually says the symbolic name. The symbolic name of a woman who pretended to be a prophetess and who addicted to antinomianism, which is lawlessness, no, co no moral code, no moral law because of grace. That's the false doctrine. They claimed Christian liberty, this, this woman, of idolatry and sexual immorality and seduction. Okay, put that out there. Out there. I'm going to get a little deep here now. This is the, the knife is, is, is in. Now we're going to just go do a little surgery, Okay. Idolatry, look at this slide, this is scary. Idolatry and immorality are the two sins that Jesus spoke against the most to the churches in the book of Revelation. Now look at me. I just told you what the Old Testament Jezebel was and the New Testament Jezebel is. What is not a spirit of, what is not Jezebel? Let's talk about that. What is not Jezebel. What is not Jezebel is what many charismatic people think that a woman that has a strong character or strong leadership gifting and they're actually maturing in their gifting but they may be a little immature in their delivery but they're strong-willed right and they're assertive and they're confident and they have authority and they're saying something to somebody that maybe needs to be said and maybe they're saying it in a in a little forceful way or immature way. That's not a spirit of Jezebel. People kick out women. Come on, women. You need to be on my side here. People kick out women that have strong personalities and strong leadership gifting that they're still being maturing and calling them a spirit of Jezebel. Just because some a woman is assertive and so, just because a woman has true leadership gifting in them but just needs to be mature a little bit doesn't mean that if they're saying it maybe in a wrong way or hurtful way that they have a spirit of Jezebel. Come on, women. Come on, women. 
It just means they just need to mature a little bit and, and grow and maybe repent in those areas. But that's not a spirit of Jezebel. A spirit of Jezebel can happen in a man. Spirit of Jezebel could be a man. That is laced with seduction and laced with lust, with purpose in their heart to lust after someone and lure them and convince them that it is okay in the sight of God. That's the spirit of Jezebel, my friends. It's, the spirit of Jezebel is laced with tolerance of seduction, tolerance of sexual immorality, listen to me, and mingling it with fear tactics, manipulation, and control. Mm -hmm. Okay, are you ready for this now? So if you, ha if you had in book of your seatbelt, book it tight now. Everybody say sexual immorality. This is thundering from Jesus, not me. Sexual immorality. The Greek word for sexual immorality. I want you to see this now. Well, no, sorry. It's not on there. because it's, it's Sorry. I didn't give it to, this, to the media team, so they're freaking out right now. <laughs> sexual immorality. I'm going to read it from the Greek. Are you ready? Are you ready? The Greek word for sexual immorality. Porneo. P-O-R-N-E-U-O. Porneo is the Greek word for sexual immorality. I've been leading you to the point for this point right here. Because he says you tolerate that woman Jezebel who seduces people to commit sexual immorality. But we've limited to saying, whew, that's, I don't tolerate that. I'm not, having, I'm not having sex with someone outside of marriage. Thank God. Yeah, but are you opening the doors to pornography? God will still forgive you. God will still deliver you. But the Greek word for sexual immorality, like Jesus has been highlighting to this church, that they're tolerating, is pornea. And I want to read the definition of pornea, Already, I know this is hard, but just stay with me. Quote, to prostitute one's body to the lust of another. To give oneself to unlawful sexual intercourse. To commit fornication. To be given into idolatry. Because when you, when you do these things, you're almost giving your worship to that. Right? To worship idols. This is straight from the Greek word for sexual immorality, which is porneo. To permit oneself, watch this, to be drawn away by another into idolatry and lust. So then, pornography becomes a blend of two major sins that the Lord vehemently hates. Idolatry and sexual immorality. <laughs> I told you this was a hard one. Pornography then is not just pornography. It's sexual immorality. I didn't say that. The definition said that. It's a form of sexual immorality. A form of sexual immorality. Why? Because when you allow technology... To influence you, watch this, you're lusting after someone that's already committing fornication. So it's, not, so it's not that somebody is committing sin. People are watching people commit sin and therefore tolerating that, engaging in that. Listen, and then lust comes in. But lust in the Bible is not just lust in the New Testament. Jesus caused purposeful, unrestrained, unrestrained. Because we all have, okay, no, no, I'm going to see that, right? We all, but when it's unrestrained, Jesus called purposeful lust adultery. So we, New Testament, okay, I know this is hard teaching. But I just want us to get right. And I'm not trying to be legalistic. I just want us to have the fear of the Lord. I want you to listen to this. Put this, put this slide up. So then what is sexual morality, pornography, porneo, right? That's the Greek word for sexual morality. Look at this slide. The spirit behind making, selling, or buying pornography, or partaking in any expression of immorality is the spirit of Jezebel. You want to talk about the spirit of Jezebel? It's not a woman that's growing in her leadership gift, that's assertive. 
spirit of Jezebel is partaking in pornography without restraint. Spirit of Jezebel is allowing it to happen and then allowing sexual immorality to happen. Why is God highlighting this to the church? Because he sees that is going on and he's, he's upset. Because he loves us. Because the time has come that God wants to clean his bride. He wants to deal with his bride. And if this is an addiction to you, there is grace. There is mercy. God can forgive you, but you need help. You can't fight it by yourself. You, you, know I mean? you need to get some counseling. You need to go to a counselor. Talk to somebody. Talk to somebody. If it's your spouse, talk to your spouse. But pornography is a form of immorality. What does Matthew chapter 5 say about lust? Look at this. I know this is tough, Lord. But this is a message to the church. And I, will, I have to stand before God and say, why, did, why, were you, why were you afraid to speak on this? Well, I don't want to be afraid to speak on this because I'm going to lose people. Or people will say that I'm beating people on the, over the head. I'm not. We need to deal with this sin of sexual immorality in the church. I said the worldwide church. Can I hear an amen? amen. Matthew chapter 5, verse 27. Look what it says. Jesus said, you have heard that it was said of old, you shall not commit adultery, right? Most people would be like, thank you, Lord. Woo, I've only been married to one person. That's not me. So he's setting up the stage. You've heard it of old, you should not commit adultery. So you would think the next phrase would be, so I say to you, don't commit adultery, right? You would think that's the next phrase. Look what he says. But I say to you, everyone who looks at a woman or a man, this is just a, a phrase, listen, with lustful intent. Do you see the difference? I could look at a woman all day long. Not with lustful intent. God knows the heart. People don't. They'll try to judge you in another way. Right? No. You can look at a man. You can look at a woman. You can say, oh, that, that person's handsome. Oh, oh, your outfit is great today. You don't have to be like, oh, my God, I'm, I'm listening to my heart. No. It says, who, who looks at a woman with lustful intent in the heart. Watch this now has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Jesus calls unrestrained, purposeful lust for another person, not just something that is a weakness. It's something that we need to repent of. Why do I say that? Because all of us have these things that the enemy will try to do in our lives, and we have to make sure we have the fear of the Lord in this, in Jesus' name. Can everyone say amen? amen? So when you open up the doors to pornography, you're actually worshiping demons. Let that sink in. When you open yourself to demonic, you are worshiping. It's, it's, I, remember, pornography is idol worship. That's what, that's what sorry, sexual immorality. That's what it was. I hope I'm not losing any one of you with all these definitions. right? But we open ourselves up to, to the demonic realm to run havoc in our minds and in our life. Amen? So what is toleration? I've spoke the last couple of weeks, little bits in here because it's all part of my study, on, on the greatest, in my opinion, Old Testament example of toleration, and that was Eli. Remember her sons? I kind of dabble in it, but today I'm going to actually read the scripture because in the Old Testament, there was a prophecy given to Eli that, was, that was, he was going to rule and his lineage was going to rule. But because he tolerated his sons with sexual immorality and did not correct them, sorry, did not remove them from leadership. Did not remove them from leadership. Because he, he said to them, boys, this is not right. You would think, hey, he addressed it. But he kept them in, in, in a sphere of influence because he was too afraid to confront them. And you see how Eli tolerated this and judgment came on that. Guys, we need to make sure that it's not only that we're not doing it. What are we tolerating in our children? What are we tolerating in our home? If any one of my kids, they'll know, I'm not trying to boast, put something, a post that is, that is not honoring God, they will get a text from me or a call from me. They may not like it. They may not even do it on purpose, but I said, so-and-so, take that out. I don't care. I do it to my spiritual kids too. They may not like me either. And they may not agree with me. I'm just trying to, I'm trying to protect them. 
I'm trying to protect our culture. Because there was a culture in that church that everyone just allowed everything, but they still went to the temple and worshiped. Okay, real quick. Are you getting something? I'm trying to, I'm trying to hurry. Okay, 1 Samuel chapter 2. Sorry I'm taking long. 1 Samuel 2, verse 22. You're going to get something out of this. If you're not already, I want the Holy Spirit to speak to you. We're not going to have an altar call today. You're going to settle it in your, in your heart. Are you ready? 1 Samuel 2, verse 22. And I'm going to skip some verses. Now, Eli was very old. Look at it on the screen. If you have it in your Bibles, and ESV. And he kept hearing. He, by the way, Eli was a high priest. He was not a novice. He kept hearing all that his sons, uh, listen to me, church leaders, listen to this. He kept hearing all that his sons were doing to all of Israel and how they lay with the women who were serving at the entrance to the tent of meeting. I mean, the, the women that were serving innocently, the priest's sons were kind of manipulating them and seducing them to eventually fall into sexual immorality. And he said to them, are you ready for this? Why, this is Eli, look at this. Why do you do such a thing? For I hear of your evil dealings from all the people. No, my sons, it is not good report that I hear the people of the Lord spreading abroad. So he's kind of dealing with it. If someone sins against a man, God will meditate, mediate, sorry for him. And if someone sins against the Lord, who can intercede for him? But they would not listen to the voice of their father, for it was the will of the Lord to put them to death. And there came a man of God, a prophet, and said to Eli, thus says the Lord, did I indeed reveal myself to the house of your father when they were in Egypt and subject to the house of Pharaoh? Did I not choose him out of all the tribes of Israel to be priest, my priest, to go up to my altar, to burn incense, to wear an ephod before me? I gave to the house of your father, Eli, all of my offerings by fire for the people of Israel. Why then? Listen to this. There's a secret passage here. Because you say, wait a minute. I just read that he corrected them. I don't have time. But in the following chapter, in chapter 3, actually says that he did not restrain them. That's, an, that's another chapter. I won't read that. But watch this. Why then do you, do you scorn my sacrifices, the Lord said to Eli, and my offerings that I command for my dwelling, and watch this, watch this, and you honor your sons above me by fattening yourselves on the choice parts of every offering of my people Israel? Therefore, the Lord God says, this is hard, I promise that your house and the house of your father should go, I promise, sorry, that your house and the house of your father should go in and out before me forever. But now the Lord declares, this is scary, far be it from me. For those, this is a promise that was taken away because of a continual refusal. Continual, not just one time, continual refusal to deal and, re and repent and remove his sons from leadership. For those, read this with me, this is scary. The Lord says this, for those who honor me, I will honor. Pause. For those who honor me, I will honor. And those who despise me shall be lightly esteemed. Behold, the days are coming, the Lord says, when I will cut off your strength and strength of your father's house, so that there will be none, uh, no man, no old man in your house. And, and this that shall come upon your two sons, Hophni and Phinehas, shall be assigned to you. Both of them shall die on the same day. And I will raise up for myself a faithful priest who shall do according to what is in my heart and in my mind. And I will build him a sure house, and he shall go in and out before my anointed forever. So we see then that there's consequence not only for doing sexual immorality, but for tolerating sexual immorality and not dealing with it in our sphere of our circle, especially in your sons. It also tells me that you can love God and tolerate immorality. It also tells me that Eli loved God. I believe he loved God because he actually corrected his sons and that says that's not good but he didn't love them enough to say you are no longer worthy of leadership i'm doing this not to punish you but to bring healing to you when i was a youth pastor i had to sit a couple people down that were key people in me and some some of them were key 
people in our worship band. We, we don't have it like here now that we have three, three teams. We only had one. You know, you, if you come from church, you only had one worship team, and everybody's got to be good. Because, I mean, if you lose one, it was a sacrifice. Well, I, there was one that I had found out real quick that they were living a double life, and I lovingly confronted them. I said, you need healing. See, a lot of times people say, you're sitting them down, you're punching them. No, I'm sitting them down so they can get healing because many people hide behind their gifts. They hide. They don't want to confront or deal with the, the inner secrets of their sin because they're so anointed. And so they hide behind the gift. They need me. They need me. They need me. God will deal with me. And the, and the fallacy is that people, God will still use your gift even in a backslidden state. I mean, people will get healed while you're backsliding. People will come to the altar repenting while some people are living a double life. And the deception is, God is pleased with me. Look at all that. Look at all the people coming to the altar. I'm not saying that that's the case all the time. I'm saying that. I'm just bringing a balance. That what you do for the Lord has nothing to do with your character or your purity. Oh, I just want the worship team to come up here. I want the, I want the worship team to come up here. Jesus then gives a solution. By the way, he gives the same solution to all the churches except for two. Do you know what it is? It's so simple. He gives a solution. What do you think it is? What do you think is the solution is, church? It's not five steps to overcome sexual immorality. Not five journey weekends and confessions. It's here's what you need to do, church. You need to acknowledge it and you need to repent of sexual immorality. Repent of the hidden secrets. Repent of the addictions to sexual immorality, pornography or otherwise. Repent of what you do in secret. Because listen, if anybody, I, if I was Jesus, I wouldn't give her time to repent. Jesus in his mercy said, and I gave even Jezebel time to repent. Come on, church. If Jesus could give Jezebel time to repent, there's hope for everybody in this nation. He said, I, I'm so merciful. I'm so loving. I'm going to give her time. Time. That means nothing's happening. No consequence happening. Sexual morality. Nothing, nothing, nothing. Hey, there's no judgment. Hey, everything is good. Hey, I'm still coming to the church. Hey, I'm still doing this. And suddenly, there will be a consequence. Here's what Jesus said. Listen to me. And I'm closing. He said, even if you don't deal with this, here's what I'm going to do. If you don't repent, church, this is the church, of this toxic culture, I'm going to throw Jezebel. This is hard because this will, this will, this messed up my doctrine, I'll be honest with you. I'm going to, this is New Testament Jesus. New Testament Jesus. I repeat, New Testament Jesus. I'm going to throw Jezebel in the sickbed. I'm going to say two quick scriptures real quick, but please follow me. This is a hard message, but I know you're getting it. I'm going to throw Jezebel in the sickbed. Then I'm going to throw her children dead. Now, many theologians say that children part is her disciples. In other words, the ch like the children of Israel, they're not really all children. They're the people of Israel, but we call them the children of Israel, right? So a lot of times when it says, and I will, throw her ch uh, I will strike her children dead, meaning her close disciples, her followers, that are accepting this, that it's okay. Nowadays, in most churches... I might as well just go there since I'm preaching on this. So, I mean, I, I mean I've already talked about Jezebel, so I'm just not going to hide. No one, they don't even have altar calls anymore in churches. They don't have calls for repentance anymore. It's a motivational speech, and, it, and it's about a minute, uh, sorry, an hour long. People are happy because they have the rest of their Sunday off, and they're not, they don't hear long-winded preachers like me. Sorry, Robert. Have no altar call. Motivational speech prayer and no time for repentance no time to call the church to a time of repentance he said I'll kill her children her disciples now watch this and the third thing he says and if the rest of the church follows along with them this is straight from the Bible I will throw the church into great affliction I know I'm going to get emails. I'm probably going to get in trouble for this. I'm just reading what the Bible says. We, listen to me, this is, I'm going to end with two main scriptures. I know it's a little long, so please bear with me. 
we can open the doors to sickness. Put this up. Uh Uh-oh. This is the part that I know is going to be rough on you. Listen, listen. Put that slide up. Some believers sometimes open the doors for sickness in their lives for refusal to deal with sins like immorality and refusal to repent of these sins. Now, notice that I didn't say um, Jesus is trying to just teach us a lesson and throw sickness. No. We open the door, believers, to sickness at times for refusal to deal with the spirit of Jezebel that's saying okay to live immoral sexually. And by the way, it's not just immoral sexually with the opposite sex. It's also with the same sex. It's all type of perversion. Homosexuality, fornication. I didn't say that. I didn't write the book, so don't get mad at me. Listen to this. Two scriptures that were hard for me to say that proved that we believers could open the door for sickness specifically if we sin against our bodies. The Bible says sexual sin is the only sin that affects our body. And we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. What an honor. 1 Corinthians, look at this real quick. Like what Paul says. By the way, this scripture is not preached hardly at all because it's a rough gangster scripture. Put that Corinthian scripture up there. It is actually reported, now read with me, that there is... Wait, so he's talking to the Corinth church. In the book of Revelation, he's addressing sexual immorality in the church. Notice it didn't say, it's actually reported that there is some lying among you, even though lying is bad. He said, it's reported that there is some sexual immorality among you and of a kind that is not even, there's that word again, tolerated even among pagans in the church. For a man has his father's wife. That means a, a, a man has st- the, step, the stepmother sexually. Okay. Keep going. Keep going. Are you getting something today? And you, church, this is Paul speaking to the corner of the church, not to the world. You're arrogant. Ought you not rather to mourn? Let him who has done this be removed from you. Guys, I'll be honest with you. I don't, that's hard. That means if there is a refusal, a refusal to repent, a refusal to repent, and there's sexual immorality culture going on in the church that now all these women are now falling into sin and I'm not doing anything about it. The Bible says if that's happening, I got to expose that person that says, I love you, but you can't come into this fellowship right now until you get right. That is That sounds horrific and judgmental. No, keep that scripture up. I'm not done. Let him who has done this be removed from among you. Keep going. Keep going. For though I am absent in body and present in spirit, and, uh, and as if present, I have already pronounced judgment on the one who did such a thing. There was a person actually doing this in the corner of the church. But keep going. Keep going. When you are assembled in the name of the Lord, Jesus and my present, we're in an assembly right now, with the power of the Lord Jesus Christ, keep going, come on, you are to deliver this man Thank God I didn't write the Bible. You are to deliver this man to Satan for the destruction of the flesh so that his spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord. Now, wait a minute. Wait a minute. A lot of people, theologians, historians believe that that phrase, destruction of the flesh, is not just you die on the spot. It's that they open the door to illness and sickness. The destruction of the flesh speaks of sickness entering the body so that that person could realize that it's not okay what they're doing perpetually and even in their sickness hopefully the Lord still loves them to say even in their sickness because they opened the door to it that they realized what they've done wrong and repent because God is after their heart see at the end of the day God is not after your position he's not even after your reputation he's after your heart and he'll do whatever it takes to get our attention Even in this, he's merciful. How about this? This is controversial, right? How about this next one that Paul said in in 1 Corinthians 11? Just a couple chapters later, when they're taking communion. We we don't say this at church, though. 
Whoever therefore eats the bread and drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner, now, now I'm going to explain what that means, right? Will be guilty concerning the body and the blood of the Lord. Help me, Lord. This is, this is tough, Jesus. Keep going. Keep going, guys. When I, when I read, just, just keep going to the next one. Let a person, here's the key, examine himself. Listen to me. And he, and he, it means English terms. Stop fronting. Stop pretending. Stop making yourself all spiritual. Examine yourself. Then, after you examine yourself and say, look, and, and again, God is not looking for perfection. He's looking for uh, renouncing of open doors that are not repentant. That's what he's looking for. Then, so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks the body of the Lord without discerning the body, eats and drinks judgment for himself. That is why many of you are weak and this is why many of you are weak, this is New Testament, and ill and some have died. But if we judge ourselves truly, we would not be judged. But when we are judged by the Lord, we are, dis we are disciplined. Oh, thank God. So that we may not be condemned among the world. That's what he's talking about. He's talking about unrepented sexual immorality. God wants to deal with that in the church. He's giving people time. He was giving the church a Thyatira time to repent of these things. Now, again, I'm not saying like, like Job's friends. Job's friends kept saying he was the most righteous man on the earth, the Bible says. And Job's friend must concluded, you must be doing something wrong, Job, because you're sick. I'm not saying that. That's a false teaching. Just because someone has afflicted doesn't mean there's something must be wrong in them. No, you have to examine your own self. Notice that the Bible says that other person is not going to examine. You need to examine yourself. And you need to say, you know what? I, I have these doors in me. I don't want them anymore. I want to confess of these things. I want to renounce whatever it is, sexual immorality, perversion, tolerance. He says, if you do that, you'll know not to give in to the depth of the secret of Satan. What's the depth of Satan? Basically is the doctrine that says it's okay to have sexual immorality, pornography, and all in the name of grace, it's okay. That's actually the depth of Satan. He's like, don't give in to that. But watch this, I'm closing with this. He says, he who overcomes, I'm not only giving them authority, I'm gonna give them the morning star. Do you know that in the book of Revelations later, I believe it's in chapter 12, it says, behold, I am the bright, and morning star. So Jesus is essentially saying, you're going to have more of me. You're going to have more. If you overcome, there's going to be a degree of intimacy that you're going to walk in, that you have not walked in before. I'm going to give you authority, but I'm going to give you the bright and morning star. In other words, I'm going to give you me. I'm going to, you don't need pornography to satisfy you. You don't need, you're going to find out. You're not going to need illicit drugs and illicit sex to satisfy you. When I give you your husband, when I give you your wife, then you will consummate and they will be holy in my eyes. But in between then, I am going to want you to be closer to me because I desire you to be close. I desire the church to be holy. I desire the church to come near. I will give you the bright and morning star. I will give you myself. If you overcome the spirit of Jezebel, it's time to resist. Submit yourself to God. Resist the enemy and then he'll flee. But we first got to submit and then we got to resist. Thank you for tuning in. For more information about us, please visit remnantchristiancenter.com.